is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. A top five tight end out for the season. Welcome, everybody, to Fantasy Football Today. We're going to talk about Hunter Henry and the Chargers. We're going to talk about wide receiver handcuffs, new kickoff rules, Robert Woods, and a lot more. It is Thursday, May 24th. I am Adam Azer. That's Jamie Eisenberg, two-man show today. What's up, Jamie? Really depressing when uh, I saw that news about Hunter Henry, man. That was uh, that was a tough one. That stinks. So he was fourth for you, huh? He was fourth. And, you know, we had this conversation recently um, where Heath had suggested – that Hunter Henry may be better than Zach Ertz. And I, I was I was buying in. I mean, I, I think just given what the production could have been without Antonio Gates there, and now, lo and behold, we may find out, uh, maybe by the time you guys are listening to this, that Antonio Gates is back with the Chargers. So where are you going to rank Antonio Gates if the Chargers sign him? I mean, I, I you know, we, uh, we had to kind of um, adjust our rankings for the magazine, so we were able to do that. And I put Antonio Gates in the spot that, I would have him if he was with the Chargers, but I think he's like 17. So once you get past, I think, really like the 10 or 11 tight ends, you know, right around where you see Jordan Reed, um, it's, uh, it, it's a little bit of a gamble, as we're well aware, at that position. And so he could finish anywhere. He was the 10th best tight end two years ago when he had a, uh, I think it was 92 targets. When Henry was a rookie, he could finish as high as, I think, 10, or he can just be old and slow and just finds the end zone a few times. Antonio Gates is, I think, 37 years old. He, he will be 38 in June. Wow. 38 years old, and he'll be entering his 16th season if he, in fact, comes back. So this is obviously major news and, you know, a big impact on when you might take the other elite tight ends. Uh, maybe this just thins the position to a point where you want to go a little bit earlier for a top five tight end in the revised top five. We'll talk about that in just a second. Well, I, 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 I'm, I'll give you an example of it because we actually did a draft. I did a draft for another publication. Uh, probably an hour before the news happened of Hunter Henry. And I took Zach Ertz in the third round, and I think Henry went in the fifth round, and I had a little buyer's remorse when I saw that. Obviously, I feel a little bit better knowing that I have one of those top three guys um, after seeing what had happened. Right. Uh, as I mentioned, we'll talk about wide receiver handcuffs. We're going to read your emails at uh, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com, and a few of your voicemails. 954-689-3199. If you want to leave us a voicemail, 954-689-3199. Leave your uh, your name and your city and your question. You can put a greeting in there if you want as well. All right, so let's just keep diving into this. What happens to Philip Rivers? Philip Rivers has been a top 12 quarterback five years in a row. Two years ago, he lost Keenan Allen for 15 games, or basically all season, and he still finished, I think, top eight. Didn't, you know, didn't have the greatest year through 21 interceptions that year. But, like I said, top 12 five years in a row. I am not saying you should rank him top 12, but where did you have Rivers ranked before the Henry injury and where do you have him ranked now? Yeah, so I, I think it's, uh, it, it's, it's a disservice. I think Heath has him ranked in his, in his top 12 because I was looking at it after the injury and I think Heath was very high on him before the Henry injury, but I think he dropped him a little bit. It's a disservice to Phillip Rivers, I think, where he's going to end up being ranked. And I was looking at uh, my fantasy league because their average draft position is a little bit more um, 
I guess solid at this point than ours are because of how they do their MFLs. And so our, our average draft position is just starting to accrue. I like ours better once we get to August, but for, you know, just the purpose of, of ADP data, uh, Rivers, I think was the 21st quarterback being drafted. That factors in, you know, rookie only drafts as well. Um, he's not going to be drafted as a, as a number one guy clearly, but he's always going to be in that mix. And I think he's one of the best quarterbacks to pair with an Andrew Luck, with a Carson Wentz, with a Deshaun Watson, you know, anybody coming off of injury or guys who are going to be drafted ahead of him, like Patrick Mahomes and Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think it's because those guys probably have a little bit of a potential for higher ceiling. Um, but Rivers is, is just safe. You know what you're going to get from, like you said, uh, he lost Keenan Allen, still solid. Hasn't really had a, a great receiving core maybe until last year when he, you know, got Tyrell Williams and Mike Williams going and, or Tyrell Williams going and Mike Williams and, and Keenan Allen back with Henry and, and Gates. Uh, I don't think he's going to lose too much, you know, uh, if they sign the right tight end, which, you know, we all assume it to be Gates, at least at this point. So Rivers will still be, uh, you know, borderline top 12 guy. If everybody stays healthy in the position, he'll probably finish outside the top 12. If we have the injuries that we usually have because he doesn't get hurt and miss time, he'll be a top 12 guy again. Right. That's true. I mean, he never, never gets hurt. That's one of the reasons Philip Rivers has been a top 10 or top 12 quarterback five years in a row. Uh, you know, this isn't really relevant because Keenan Allen is healthy, but just, if there's one thing that would derail Rivers, it would be an Allen injury. I know I said he finished top eight two years ago, but that was one of his lowest passer ratings of his career. He just happened to throw 33 touchdowns that year. And then if you look at his eight games in 2015 with Keenan Allen, Phillip Rivers had a 102.1 passer rating, 2,700 yards and 18 touchdowns, and eight games without Keenan Allen, he had 700 fewer yards, he had seven fewer touchdowns, and he had an 84.6 passer rating. So just file that under, oh, that's interesting. It's not fantasy relevant because Keenan Allen's playing, but just thought you'd like to know. Uh, what about Mike Williams or anyone else in this receiving core? Could they become late-round picks now or, or better than that? Yeah, I, I think, you know, you again, we, we have to see what tight end that they do bring in. If they don't bring in anybody and it's Virgil Green and, and the, you know, cast of characters they have behind him, then – I would probably look at Tyrell Williams first because he benefited a lot when Keenan Allen tore his ACL two years ago and missed 15 games. Um, you have to hope that Mike Williams does something. So Williams is being drafted clearly ahead of Tyrell Williams with the hope that he turns things around. Uh, I would anticipate, even if they do bring back Gates, who is not going to be an every-down type of player because he wasn't last year, that you'll see a lot more four-receiver sets because they have Travis Benjamin as well, who's a good field stretcher. And and Melvin Gordon, you know, I think it's 99 catches in, in the last two years. So... They'll, they'll find a way to, you know, pick up that production. Uh, I think that the tight end would lose, but you have to hope that the, the other two receivers aside from Keenan Allen, because I think Travis Benjamin is, is again more of a specialist, that you would have to hope that Tyrell Williams and Mike Williams step up. Again, I, w- I would take the chance on Mike Williams just given pedigree, but like you said, still late round flyers. Oh man, I was so disappointed in Tyrell Williams last year. I don't know what that was all about. Um, but well, his, the, the more talented receiver came back. Keenan, yeah, I, I know, I know, but I, I still thought his he could targets, be, his targets dropped a lot. Oh, big time, big time, but it just he was very unproductive. Um, kind of interesting thing on the Chargers. We'll wrap it up. Last year, they had the third most total yards, fourth most, fourth most total yards in the NFL. They were 13th in scoring. And you look at Philip Rivers and Keenan Allen, and you look at how many pass attempts for Rivers inside the 10 yard line. He had he led the NFL. Keenan Allen had the second most red zone targets and the second most targets inside the 10 yard line. Rivers had 28 touchdowns and Allen had six. 
I mean, they, they were a prolific offense moving the ball, but they could not score enough touchdowns through the air last year. So that's kind of interesting, and losing Hunter Henry is not going to help that. Uh, but no, but it may help Keenan Allen. It could. I mean, you know, yeah. it's, uh, it's hard to see him crack the top five at wide receiver, you know, with, uh, Hopkins and Brown and Julio Odell and AJ Green, but you can make a strong argument that he's six. All right. He was, so Michael Thomas there too. So he's, he's seven. Did you put the Devontae Adams there? No, I take Allen over Adams now. I, I think it was close to begin with. Oh, okay. So that, that was a change you made? No, I, I had Allen ahead of him. Oh, you always had Allen ahead of him? Yes. Okay. All right then. That's going to conclude our Los Angeles Chargers talk. Hope that was helpful. Let's hear a voicemail. 954-689-3199. Hey guys, Emily from Nashville. I uh, live by your running back handcuff advice every year. Was wondering if you had any wide receiver handcuffs that I should definitely target for my draft this year. I'm standard. Thank you. By the way, when I give this is going to be great. It's going to be so funny. When I give the phone number, I say 954-689-31. I got to go, 99, like Brooklyn 99, which I got canceled, but it's back. So don't worry. That's a Brooklyn 99 joke, everybody. Jamie, what do you think? Are there wide receiver handcuffs this year? Well, I mean, isn't that the whole premise of the Azer strategy? It is sort of the, the premise of the Azer strategy. You know, it's one I'm kind of interested in. I've been taking... In some of our mock drafts, uh, well, I, I always I know you take like the, the Packers one of Adams and Cobb. Yeah, yes, I always take this. I often take the second guy. I don't usually get the chance to take the first guy, but Hopkins and Will Fuller. Yep, that's a that's a that's a a, a good one, um, especially what they're the numbers they produced with uh, with a healthy Deshaun Watson. We had a question. I think it might have been in the office for the last draft that we did about Josh Gordon and Jarvis Landry, that does not necessarily go to what your strategy is because you're taking those guys too soon, close, oh, yeah. too close together in, in a draft. I wonder if there is, I know that they drafted two guys in Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton, but if there is some value now as Emmanuel Sanders continues to fall uh, based on his production in the last two years, that with Case Keenum there, that Sanders has a little bit of a bounce back season. And you could take him if you take Thomas in the third or fourth round, depending on format. I think you can look at the Dolphins guys as two guys you could take late and get good production out of maybe one of them. Kenny Stills and Devontae Parker, they're probably going to go after round seven, would be my guess, for both of those guys. Um, but, you know, the thing is, is like taking Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster, the, they're too close together, so it doesn't fall under the handcuff premise. You know, I think you want to look at, like one that could be interesting this year is Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett. You know, given what the Seahawks receiving core looks like now without Jimmy Graham there and, you know, losing Paul Richardson, that, that Lockett has some some bounce back value. So um, I, yeah. I, I would try to approach it if if you're going to look that route, you maybe not want to necessarily take the hand or the, the the number two guy with the the one you brought up is good. Hopkins and Fuller you can get away with. But yeah, like the problem with the, that is that Fuller does go kind of early. I don't know if it really like let's define a handcuff because a running back handcuff is a player that you just put on your bench. You never play him unless the the running back gets injured, the lead running back, and then you expect that guy to go in and be probably startable. Uh, otherwise, what's the point of holding on to him? So I don't know if it has to be that way with wide receiver. You know, the standards are a little bit lower in terms of you, you could go later in the draft to get a starting wide receiver than a running back probably. Like Randall Cobb went at the end of round nine in a 12-team league 
So um, like 105th overall or something like that. And that was in PPR. That's that's handcuffy. Um, Fuller probably not. That might not have been a great example. But is it is it okay? The number one guy gets injured. Now we've got a star on our hands. That's so we saw. I mean, I, again, if you want to invest in both Steelers guys, because we saw what Smith Schuster did last year when when both Martavis Bryant and Antonio Brown missed time. Yeah, he was he'd, a be, monster. he'd be a star. But that's yeah. that is a fifth round pick probably. But he's still a pretty good player without it. Will Fuller is going to be a pretty good player if we play 16 games with Deshaun Watson based on what we saw. Last year, the two Lions guys are going to be very good together and apart in Marvin Jones and Golden Tate. I think it's more along the lines of if you draft Josh Gordon, do you take Antonio Callaway? If you draft, again, Doug Baldwin, do you take Tyler Lockett? If you draft Alshon Jeffrey, do you take Nelson Aguilar? You know, those type of scenarios in, in what could be high passing offenses, you know, like. Oh, I got a good, I got a good one. Michael Thomas, Cameron Meredith. Yeah. Uh, another good scenario. I was even going to bring up the the scenario of now that Danny Amendola is gone, do you take Julian Edelman in a deeper league, Braxton Berrios, you know, just or Jordan Matthews, you know, just with the, the take the slot receiver behind Julian Edelman, because if he does go down, and you know, as, as Heath will tell you, the injury track record for Edelman has has been high, unfortunately. That could be uh you know good type of production that you get. All right. But I I would almost approach it as you know what what more what you talk about, and look to see if I can get two guys later. That could be my maybe third and fourth or fourth and fifth receivers, like the Dolphin scenario of, you know, again, Parker and, and, uh, and Kenny Stills, or maybe even the Dallas scenario of Alan Hearns and Michael Gallup. You know, th- those guys are going to catch passes. They may not be in the best offenses right now, but by the end of the season, one of those guys may be pretty good. The, the Jaguar situation, you know, Marquise Lee and whoever you want to pair him with, Keelan Cole, D.D. Westbrook, whoever that might be. Yeah. Okay, well, I guess on that subject, last one I would say is Keenan Allen and one of the Williams. I Yeah, if you're looking at it from who's going to benefit if Keenan Allen went down, we saw it. It was Tyrell Williams, so I think that's the guy you want to target there, but yeah. hopefully it's Mike Williams. All right, I just want to promote a couple things real quick. First of all, the Pick 6 podcast, Jamie and I just learning that we are going to be guest hosting in a couple of weeks. But before that even happens, take a listen to Will Brinson's daily NFL podcast. You can get it first thing in the morning on weekdays. It's the Pick 6 podcast. Go to cbssports.com slash podcast if you want a list of all of our shows, including a great wrestling slash boxing slash MMA podcast uh, called In This Corner. And sportsline.com if you want to make some bets, you want to get some lines, you want to get some advice. Uh, sportsline.com, it's only nine ninety nine a month, and a lot of sites that give you picks are like really, really expensive. We don't want to do that at sportsline.com. But we can get you the first month for just a dollar if you use the promo code HUDDLE when you sign up on Sportsline.com. The promo code is HUDDLE. So, yeah, HUDDLE. Not cuddle, but HUDDLE for a dollar on your first month on Sportsline.com, and then it's nine ninety nine after that. News and notes. The NFL approved changes to kickoffs. I am not an expert on kickoffs. I don't know anything about kickoffs, but... My gut tells me, Jamie, that this could lead to some more touchdowns on kickoffs. What do you think? It could. Um, but, you know, again, I don't know if you're changing your, let's just say, your, for most, you know, uh, regular fantasy leagues of where you don't get points for special teams, individual points for special teams, return yards. I, I don't think that's going to change your approach to you know, DSTs going into the season, it may change your approaches as the season goes on once we start to see it unfold. What about 
any players that are on kick returns, I wonder, like Tyler Lockett. You know, well, look, it's a bit of a stretch, but but you cannot the, the players on the kicking team cannot line up more than one yard from the point of the kickoff. You can't really get the running starts anymore. They have eliminated wedge blocks by the return team. Uh, until the ball is touched, this is from NFL.com, until the ball is touched or hits the ground, no player on the receiving team may cross the restraining line, which is typically its own 45-yard line, or initiate a block, um, all right, whatever. I, I think that the fact that the kick return, the kick coverage unit cannot get a running start is kind of what stood out to me. And uh, we'll see what happens. But I guess there's probably nothing uh, that we can, nothing actionable, as we say. Aaron Rodgers did not see Green Bay signing Des Bryant. Jason Lockenfora recently wrote about that. Might be might be August till Des really should sign, see who gets hurt or something like that. But right now it's going to be tough for him. Jamie, Andrew Luck is still not throwing a football. Their head coach, Frank Reich, says he's not concerned. But you got to be a little concerned, right, about Andrew Luck? A hundred percent. I mean, it's over 500 days since the last time we saw him throw a pass. It was January 1st, 2017. So the fact that we're getting into – we are – I don't know exactly what day their minicamp is. Minicamp start June 5th for several teams, and then they go June 10th through the, or June 12th through the 14th. So we are essentially two to three weeks away from minicamp, which is very important for a lot of teams. You, you know, you hear a lot of talk about Tom Brady not showing up for OTAs. It's a different story. Minicamp is mandatory. All the, you know, guys need to be there and, and hopefully luck is throwing by then. But yeah. You got to be worried. Um, uh, there was the story, you know, after the NFL draft that they were fielding offers for Jacoby Brissett, and they said they had to be blown away. It makes total sense. So this team was a disaster last year without Andrew Luck. It's one of the toughest divisions in football, which is not something we've said about the AFC South in a very, very long time, maybe ever. Um, all three teams, you know, two playoff teams in the Jaguars and the Titans, and everybody expects the Texans to be very good, if not great, if everybody's healthy on that defense and with Deshaun Watson. So Andrew Luck erases a lot of things that the Colts – do poorly. Um, their offensive line is getting better, and if Andrew Luck plays, he could obviously be a, a monster fantasy quarterback. But you got to be a little bit nervous if you were planning on on him as your number one guy, and you got to have an option for him as a number two guy, which is what we talked about with Philip Rivers earlier. It's gonna be like preseason week three, and Andrew Luck will not have thrown. They're like, no, it's fine. He's gonna be fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, I'm gonna give you some quick items. You can give me a quick reaction. Leonard Fournette looks a bit slimmer. According to ESPN's Michael DeRocco, DeRocco. Yeah, great situation, great news. Hopefully, uh, he can avoid those nagging foot and ankle problems from last year. Mark Ingram is expected to report to mandatory minicamp. This is not uh, suspension related. This is contract related. He's been sitting out OTAs, but the Saints expect Ingram back for the mandatory portion. Yeah, leverage gone. <laughs> so, uh, be a good soldier, be a good teammate, show up, do what you're supposed to do, and, and hopefully, uh, when he does come back. He puts up the numbers that we saw last year, specifically the numbers that we saw from week five on after uh, Adrian Peterson was gone from the Saints, and Ingram was a superstar then. Hopefully it will repeat itself in 2018. Once upon a time, Jamie had a huge football man crush on Danny Amendola, and now so do the Dolphins, so does Ryan Tannehill perhaps. Armando Salguero of the Miami Herald thinks that Danny Amendola could have 80 to 85 catches this year. That would make him... Certainly a must-own, potentially a must-start in PPR. He has had 85 catches once. That was way back in 2010, Jamie. What do you make of this uh, report from Armando? My baby boy is back. <laughs> um, look, it's, uh, it's a logical situation that 
a guy who's played in the slot goes to a team that lost its slot receiver who, oh, by the way, set the NFL record for most receptions over a four-year period. So Jarvis Landry, 400 catches over the last four years. He's basically been a 100-catch guy. I think it was three of the four years. So 80 catches, I think, is uh, is a number that Amendola can reach easily if he stays healthy. That's been the problem for him. The more that he's played, the more prone to injuries he's been. It's kind of why the Patriots have saved him for the postseason. That's when he's been the most productive for them. So uh, if Amendola could get them 10-plus games, I think he'll be highly productive in those 10 games. If he can get close to 16, yes, he will be 80 to 85 catches. So um, when we look at the Dolphins receiving core, Stills and Parker better suited as outside guys. I think Albert Wilson is uh, is more of a hybrid. And so we'll see how many games Amendola gives them. But if he's healthy going into week one, which obviously now he is, he should be one of your last-round picks in PPR and maybe even a non-PPR as well. Okay. He went undrafted in our 12-team PPR league. I wonder if, if we did it again after this report, maybe Amendola would get drafted. I was in our in our office dynasty league, which I know we'll talk about at some point next week. Uh, the draft is just finishing. I was trying to trade Amendola before this report, and I, I offered it to a couple of guys in our office who are Dolphins fans, and they were interested. They they thought uh, the the trades, you know, I, I wasn't trying to rip anybody off by any stretch, but they just didn't want to part with draft picks because they were hoping, you know, to get rookies that may have a little bit more upside and long term, you know, standing than than Amendola. But again, like you said, I wonder if I made those offers right now, uh, if if the the owners in particular would have jumped on. Them. Julian Edelman was limited at OTAs. Limited. No surprise. You know, a guy coming back from a torn ACL. Uh, it's the Patriots. They have no reason to rush him right now. And in, in all honesty, why would he want to go out there and catch passes from Brian Hoyer? So no Brady, no Gronk. Uh, take it take it slow with Edelman. Buffalo wide receiver Zay Jones had knee surgery. So Dallas, uh, which everybody thinks has the worst receiving core in the NFL, uh, Buffalo just said, hold my beer. <laughs> um, it's, 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 that's a bad roster. It's a bad team. Um, at least, uh, you know, going in right now. It's, um, you know, the, the other part of this, I don't know if you're going to bring this up, but they, they have Josh Allen third on the depth chart right now. And if I'm Josh Allen, I'm like, you know what, AJ, AJ McCarron, go take those snaps. Yeah. Nate Peterman, go, you go, you guys go play. I'll, I'll wait until this team starts to build up a little bit. Um, at the it, same time, uh, Kel- Kelvin Benjamin is healthy, right? I mean, he's, he is healthy. Making good progress. Um, you know, and, and hopefully he's he's 100% because we know he could be a very good receiver. You know, I don't know if he's going to be great, but he could be good. Uh, I, I I think that uh, they're going to need Calvin Benjamin and LaShawn McCoy and, and Charles Clay to do a lot of heavy lifting. We saw them play well, you know, not necessarily Benjamin. We saw McCoy and Clay have have their moments. McCoy obviously uh, for the whole season. But this is a uh, this is a team that that could be a, a fantasy wasteland for 2018. And domestic violence charges against. Niners linebacker Ruben Foster were dropped, and he can rejoin the team. And that does it for the news and notes. All right, we did this What Are the Odds segment the other day, and it wasn't really that good, but we're going to try it again. So, Jamie, what are the odds Robert Woods is droppable by week five? Um, I'm not good at odds, so I'm just going to say zero. Yeah, just give me like a zero, no. low, Decent. Yeah, no, no, he's he's going to be their best receiver still. I, I I'm pretty confident in that. I know there's uh, I guess some news or some sounds from um, uh, I was just looking at this on Twitter before the show started that uh, Sean McVay was out there. I guess he was mic'd up and and Brandon Cooks made a play and um, McVay was very excited. So Brandon Cooks has a ton of potential. Cooper Cup could easily take a, the next step in in his second year. But I like what I saw from Robert Woods. I was pleasantly surprised. You know, I don't I didn't expect him coming from Buffalo and then what he's done in, for the Bills to uh you know do what he did 
with the Rams, and I just think he's he's got Jared Goff's you know first look, and that's important. Okay. Yeah, I mean, look, don't don't interpret my questions, you out there, as as my opinions. Just kind of bringing up talking points. Uh, I think the Rams' wide receivers will be a really fun unit to watch, and will perhaps determine a lot in fantasy. Um, I don't know how many people are going to have Robert Woods number one. Jamie might be kind of uh, not on an island, but kind of bold there. Do you feel like the industry will have mostly Brandon Cooks number one? Yeah, I mean, as you bring up the next topic, I can tell you, you know, again, where he's being drafted. But, look, Brandon Cooks has been very productive. He's a great player. I just, you know, don't know if he's going to just be a slightly better version or maybe even a much better version than Sammy Watkins. But Watkins had 70 targets last season. That's not exactly uh, the sign of a number one guy. And I don't know if Brandon Cooks walks into the the Rams, walks onto the Rams roster and all of a sudden is the the best guy there. I guess kind of my, the premise for the question is, Watkins had 70 targets. I mean, I have to think Cooks gets over 100. And some of that's going to have to come from Robert Woods. But but Woods had 85 targets in only 12 games. So even if Brandon Cooks gets 100, or even if he gets 120, there's still there still could be 90 targets for Robert Woods or something like that. I would be shocked if he got even over 100, to be honest really? with you. Really? Yeah, I think he's probably going to max out at about 90. So Brandon Cooks right now is being drafted as the 15th receiver off the board. Well ahead of the other two guys. Wow, they haven't Probably. signed Brandon Cooks, right? No. So can I just can I just say I, I never got a chance to bring this up? And off season May twenty fourth feels like the right time for me to voice an NFL opinion. I don't know that I love what the Rams are doing. Like being aggressive two years in a row to get wide receivers that are in the final year of their contract, giving up your draft picks for it. You better sign Brandon Cooks because the Sammy Watkins thing was just a waste of a draft pick. It, it turns out. Um. I, but what they got out of him for a year was eight touchdowns. You know what? But, it was it was but worth is, the gamble. Is it going to hurt their? Is it going to hurt their? Uh, they're making moves of a team that is one piece away from winning the Super Bowl. Uh, is it going to hurt their future? You know, draft capital is really important. No, I agree. I mean, look, giving up a first round pick for Cooks to me was was a little bit too much. A second round pick, you know, knowing that your team is, well, I guess at the time they didn't know this, but you know, knowing that your team is going to be a perennial playoff contender, which they feel that they are, and I, I think you look at the at least what their team looks like right now. They're probably going to be in the playoffs, you know, for the next couple of years. All right, I should probably read more about all the draft picks they've given up and acquired as they've wheeled and dealed. But uh, I hope they sign Cooks long term. Otherwise, if if Cooks is on another team next year, and they've given up big time draft capital for walk one year of Watkins and one year of Cooks, then it's going to be a mistake. Yeah, and they have to make a decision on Aaron Donald. They have a one-year deal with Ndamukong Sue, so two big pieces on their defense. And, you know, in uh, I guess it's probably three years if they don't franchise tag him. Jared Goss going to cost them a lot of money too, plus Todd Gurley. All right, let's go to uh, what are the odds of the NFL becomes a running league rather than a passing league, uh, really in 2018 but going forward? Well, uh, the teams that were in the playoffs last year, I believe, were all very successful running the ball, right? We talked about this previously, or at least we attempted to. Were they? Yeah, Philadelphia was a good running team. The Patriots were a good running team. It's probably true. I mean, um, obviously the Rangers... I mean, typically that ends up happening because you have a good defense, you have a good running game. Those kind of go hand in hand from time to time, at least for the most part. Pittsburgh was a good running team. Jackson was a good running team. Um. I, look, you're you're seeing an influx of talent come into the league at that position. It's uh, 
you know, we went two years, 2013, 2014, without a first round pick in the NFL draft. You could obviously argue that there should have been, you know, at least one guy. Le'Veon Bell was, was drafted in 2013. Um, but now you're getting, you know, Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, Saquon Barkley, um, you know, Dalvin Cook last year, Darius Geis this year. It may have been first round picks if we didn't have, you know, issues. Sony Michelle, Rashad Penny, they were first round picks this year. These guys were great in college. They're going to be, you know, they've so far, at least the ones that were drafted early, Melvin Gordon, have been, you know, good to great in the NFL. And, uh, it's nice to see that, you know, you're getting more, not necessarily away from the tandems and away from the committees, but you're not necessarily seeing that dominate what teams are trying to do. So the stat that I wanted to talk about with this was that last year we had the fewest pass attempts since 2011, the most rush attempts in four years, but not quite where we were at in 2010, 2011. We also had the fewest number of plays, total plays from scrimmage run since 2010. So that, to me, probably says there was more running of the ball, clock running a little bit more, fewer incomplete passes. That's my guess is why there were fewer plays. Um, and plus what kind of what you mentioned, running backs getting drafted earlier in the NFL draft. You know, I, I, I we may have reached the, the peak of the, it's a passing league thing, uh, in well, the NFL. Well, I mean, just, just, let's also keep in mind, Peyton Manning retired. Yes. Uh, Drew Brees is getting older and got more help. Aaron Rodgers missed half a season. Andrew Luck missed a full season. And I think until we get, more of uh Carson Wentz full year, Deshaun Watson full year, uh Jared Goff more experience. You know, there are a lot of good young quarterbacks that are that are in the league and getting opportunities. Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to be a full-time starter. So, we'll see how it how it goes. I I think we're just going to get more balance. I I don't know if it's going to be, you know, tilted so much one way like it was the last couple of years prior to last year with the running backs or excuse me with the receivers in the passing games or tilted like it's been the last year with uh with the running backs. All right, Jamie, what are the odds 40% we're looking at the future. 40% of fantasy owners play in two quarterback or super flex leagues by the year 2024. Uh good. I think, I think it'll happen. Yeah, I think I hope it trends that way. I want to play in more two quarterback leagues. I think we'll just see a lot more flex leagues, you know, as, as uh which is interesting because like we're talking about there, you know, a lot of people got away from the traditional you know, two, two and a flex, um, because of the lack of quality running backs. And now we're getting more running backs. So you wonder if it'll start to go this way. But, uh, you know, I, I think you're seeing a lot of people trying to introduce the super flex. So you don't necessarily have to play a quarterback in that spot, especially if it's four points for passing touchdowns, but it still lends itself to, uh, to doing that. And I was in a rookie only draft for a, a dynasty league last night where it's a super flex league with four points for passing touchdowns. And in the rookie draft, you know, it's rookies and veterans, but, um, in, in the rookie drafts, uh, in the rookie part, portion of the draft, which is going to be the beginning, there were three quarterbacks drafted in the first nine picks. In a super flex? In a super flex. And how many so points were Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, and, and Josh Rosen all went in the first nine picks, and Sam Darnold went in the first 12 picks. How many points for a touchdown passing? Four. Wow. All right, Jamie, what are the odds CJ Anderson of the Carolina Panthers gets 200? Zero. Sorry, go ahead. It gets 200 carries, keeping in mind Jonathan Stewart got 198 last year. I, I think that's fair. You know, I, I probably would go under, but it, it's not going to be a huge surprise if he stays healthy. So uh, I think at this point, you know, Jonathan Stewart was uh, 29 or 30 last year, maybe 31. And and Anderson's 27 years old, so he's younger. Uh, he's probably just as physical. 
Um, you know, maybe better in terms of yards per carry at this point and uh, could probably do a little bit more, excuse me, catching the ball out of the backfield. So wouldn't be a shock at all. All right, let me take a look at where C.J. Anderson went in recent drafts. Round eight in a non-PPR league and in PPR, also round eight about six picks later. That's a 12-team league, eight rounds. Not going to do the – 96? 96. So I think he was like 90 – like 88th and 93rd or something like that. Uh, could be good value, particularly in standard. I can't imagine he's going to catch that many passes sharing no. a backfield with Christian McCaffrey. All right, no. thank you, and, Jamie. You know, it's it's going to be interesting with the Panthers uh, losing Norwell. You know, I don't think we talk we talk about the That's Jaguars true. gaining Norwell, mm-hmm. Andrew Norwell, the guard. Uh, losing Norwell, I think, could impact the Panthers in, in in a big way. Time to read some emails, and if we have time, we will talk about Jamie's dynasty draft. Might do a bit shorter of a show today. Email from Clinton Miller from Ashburn, Virginia. Dear Peeper, Peeped, Seal, and Gandalf. That would be Heath because of his beard. Uh, Peeper, I have two points from Monday's show I'd like to bring up. One, I think that Tevin Coleman should go to Indianapolis. Two, can you really consider David Johnson injury-prone? His most significant injury was to his hand. I'd consider an injury-prone running back to have multiple injuries to his legs, i.e. Jamal Charles. P.S. Heath needs to be on the show more often. Good day to read that one. Um, yeah. Well, I'm the peeper, so if I if I said David Johnson was injury prone, that's a good point. It was a leg. It was what a knee injury or a high ankle. What was it? At the end of the ago? 2017, yeah. 2016 season. Um, I think it was a uh, knee actually. It was knee okay? That was leg. At least we'll say that lower extremity. And mm-hmm. yes, last year was hand. So fair point. But his last his last two games, he hasn't been able to finish. <laughs> so it's, that's the unfortunate thing. I know. Now, we said the same thing about Le'Veon Bell. He actually ended three seasons in a row injured. I think twice were in the playoffs, I believe. Yep. Um, I, I'm really curious to see by the end of the season where David Johnson is because we just did uh, – I just did a segment on CBS Sports HQ uh, that will air Wednesday – you know, Thursday evening if you want to go back and try and find a watch it with uh, Pete Prisco and Nick Costas and – uh, Nick brought up the point that the Cardinals, we we're talking about Josh Rosen, that the Cardinals, who have a win total of five and a half, may have the, one of the worst rosters in the league. And I think that's not true. I actually think the Cardinals are going to surprise some people if Rosen's good. Now that's a big if because he's a rookie quarterback, but you're getting David Johnson back. You have one of the premier pass rushers in the league in Chandler Jones. You still have a pretty good defense along with Jones. And that offensive line, I think, is going to be better than people think. So, um, if David Johnson, returns to being David Johnson of 2016, he's going to challenge Gurley. He's going to challenge Bell, and he's going to challenge Ezekiel Elliott. You know, I think he's the clear-cut fourth guy, at least in non-PPR, but uh, I, I have no problem. We've talked about this, settling for David Johnson if he's there at six, seven, you know, depending how far he falls in the first round. You're going to be pretty pleased with him if he's back to what he was. Yeah, I think I've been a little negative on on David Johnson, and it's just the situation and the fact that those first-round running backs are really appealing. Uh, but I, I've almost forgotten how great of a player he is. So I, I, uh, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for him. Turn it around. Yeah, he's, he's, you know, he's talking about thousand, thousand, you know, thousand rushing, thousand receiving. He was a 2,000 yard guy two years ago, and that was with, you know, the, the week 17 injury where he didn't get to finish that game. So I, I really do. I'm, I'm excited about him. And, and I hope he's, uh, he doesn't, you know, miss three games in a row, uh, or leave three games in a row with injuries. But if he plays, you know, 15, 14, you know, however many games you want to put it at. He's going to be uh he's going to be back to being an elite level guy. 
This is from Mark. What's your favorite draft position in 12-team PPR? Does it change every year? Yeah, I mean, I'm never one to shy away from uh, any of the draft spots because I I think you can make it work in in either way. It's very interesting, though, especially in PPR, if you pick early in the the first round, you're getting one of those stud running backs, you know, especially if if you take one in the first two spots, which I think is going to be the case no matter what. If you take a running back at three, whether it's David Johnson or Elliott, or if you want to take the gamble on, you know, Alvin Kamara there, the receivers that you're left with when you get back on the swing is not as appealing as what the running backs may be when you come back on the swing, you know, at the the two three turn. Yep. So I, it, it's almost more it's almost beneficial to pick toward the back end of the first round because you're still going to get good running back talent when you get to round three and round four by comparison to the receiver talent round three and round four. I would have a big problem in a PPR league. Let's say it's twelve teams. If I took Todd Gurley, who had a lot of catches last year, or Le'Veon Bell. And in round two, Christian McCaffrey were available. I would have a tough time passing him up, particularly if the top eight wide receivers are off the board, which they 100% will be. Um, I would be, I would do it. I would love to get two receivers. I would love to get Le'Veon Bell and Christian McCaffrey. That would be an amazing start in PPR. Yeah. That's, that's well, 160 I, I, I'll give you catches. the other side of it. I'm sorry, go ahead. I mean, that's, that's 160 catches, I think, if not more. At least, if they're healthy. Yeah. But the problem is, is then your number one receiver, if you don't take, let's say, Travis Kelsey or Zach Ertz, who could be available to you at the beginning part of round three, is your number one receiver could be T.Y. Hilton or Demarius Thomas, you know, whichever one you start to like in that 11 through 13, 14 range, because I think it's even more than that. In, than in theory, though, it, it's going to be the case no matter what, because whichever wide receiver is there. Like, so if I take Christian McCaffrey at the end of round two, the wide receiver that's there at the end of round two compared to the beginning of round three, it's pretty much going to be the same thing. Well, you could be looking at a situation where the uh, the person who took who takes Todd Gurley at one could take Doug Baldwin and Tyreek Hill, and so then you're talking about potentially Travis Kelsey's there. Um, I think it's probably too soon for Zach Ertz, but potentially Travis Kelsey's there, or it's Hilton, or maybe one of those two receivers, or again Demarius Thomas, Josh Gordon, you know Amari Cooper, you know th- yeah, throw that's, whatever. That's too whatever. early for me. For those guys, right? Right. So that is a problem. That that is an issue, and I do wonder how your team turns out. We've tried this before. I don't want to get into it again, but Jamie and I both tried. Uh, t- well, actually, we took a slightly different approach, right? So we had like picks two and three, or one and two, mm-hmm. and we I did not take a wide receiver until round four, and I think you took one in the first three picks. You took I think Baldwin. I might have gone uh, Doug Baldwin, Travis Kelsey. Yes, at two and three, right? Yep. And you and I uh, missed I, out on the run of wide receivers, which right. I'll, I'll give you the the opposite of that, where I picked in this other publication, uh, which I mentioned about the Hunter Henry situation. I picked ninth, and I t- no, I'm sorry, I picked tenth. No, ninth. Excuse me, I picked ninth, and I took DeAndre Hopkins. This is PPR. I was surprised that he was there, so I took Hopkins round one, AJ Green round two. I was looking running back in round three, but there was Zach Ertz. So my first running back is Kenyon Drake, which I took in in round four, which is good. It's not great, but it's good. Um, and my second running back is is uh, either going to be Marlon Mack or Carry on Johnson. Now again, not great. Um, you'd rather have those guys as your third than your second guy. But I have those two stud receivers, what should be stud tight end, and then at least what I would consider to be a very safe, at least potentially safe, number two type running back as my number one guy in Kenyon Drake. So I'm really just kind of trying to backfill that second running back spot if everybody's healthy and plays to their levels. I like that scenario in PPR a little bit more than I do the one you're talking about. Okay, so. I'm glad you mentioned the you know backfilling your your running backs. Let's hear a voicemail from Jules nine five four 
689-3199. Hey, this is Jules from Austin. I actually have a question about drafting pros and cons. What are the pros and cons of drafting just one stud running back and then all the other running backs that you draft would just be rookie running backs in fairly good position? One stud running back and the rest are rookies. All right, so let, let's play that out again from the same draft spot. So picking ninth. So let's just say I would have taken Saquon Barkley at nine and then came back in round two, taking A.J. Green. Round three, let's say Josh Gordon. And so uh, we'll throw in another right, wide receiver, let's say in round six, Michael Crabtree. Um, so in round four, Rashad Penny. Round uh, five, Royce Freeman. Round seven, Carryon Johnson. Round you know, Jamie, I, I can be honest with you. I, I can give you the actual rookie running backs that went at that spot. It, you know, if you had been drafting nine, so so like it's kind of weird that you gave these examples, right? So so Will Brinson had the ninth pick in a PPR draft at a twelve. Okay. Saquon Barkley round one, Mike Evans round two. I you know you could go Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen was still on the board, so let's say Keenan Allen round two, Barkley Keenan Allen round three for Will was Adam Thielen. Okay. Uh, round four was Ronald Jones. So there's okay. a rookie. Round five, Darius Geis. Okay. Yep. There's a rookie. Round six, he took to Sean Watson, but the next pick was Royce Freeman. So let's just give him Royce Freeman. Okay. So now he's taking three. He's got four rookie running backs. Saquon Barkley was the first. And through six picks, he has Keenan Allen, Adam Thielen, and four rookie running backs. How do you feel about All right. that? So let's go back a year ago, and let's just say in, in round one, he had taken Mike Evans because he was a, a, a first-round pick. Round two, Leonard Fournette. Round three, Christian McCaffrey. Go down a little bit further. Kareem Hunt, let's say, was probably going round seven, six or seven, depending on when the Spencer Ware injury was. Yeah. Um, so he, he basically won the league or he lost to the girly owner in the finals. You, you could have made <laughs> it pretty far with, with that type of roster. So these rookie running backs are in such great situations. you know. And, and again, we kind of – I don't know, overlook or, or maybe downgrade the carry on Johnson situation. Uh, we talked about that, that Nick Chubb could kind of be like the Alvin Kamara this year, third on the depth chart to open the season, could be the best guy by the end of the year. Uh, Sony Michelle in a crowded situation could easily be Deion Lewis if, uh, if things go his way. And then I still think there's going to be someone who surprises us. You know, it could be Boston Scott, who, you know, we haven't really talked about, but could be the Mark Ingham replacement for the first four games. It could be if there's an injury, as we've seen with uh, Devontae Freeman last year and Tevin Coleman throughout his career, Ido Smith for uh, for the Falcons. It could be Justin Jackson for the Chargers. There are a number of rookie running backs here. The ultimate lottery ticket is probably John Kelly, you know, in, uh, in for the Rams if something happens to Todd Gurley. So uh, I I think you know those guys aren't going to be drafted clearly, but if you're able to do something like what Will did, you know, if you feel comfortable with that way going that route, especially if you get like take Barkley out of the equation because. You know, I don't know if you want to qualify him as a rookie if we're talking about it in this discussion, but let's just say it was Melvin Gordon or Leonard Fournette if he took it that spot. Mm-hmm. And then you have, like uh, uh, the, the caller indicated, one stud. And we talked about this last year. I mean, you know, you, yep. you, you know, you, I, I don't think you challenged me, but I challenged myself after this conversation to do that in a particular draft. I think it was actually the same magazine that I just finished doing. I did this in that draft last year. Uh, it, it can easily work. I mean, you know, you're going to have some failures clearly, but um, guys, starter. Or, or chance to be starter. Uh, that's probably something we should have talked about. Rob Kelly got the first snaps. You know, if you want to, you know, uh, yeah, take sorry, what yeah, it's worth, whatever. But, um, <laughs> but but guys, starter, first down, second down. Whether he plays all three downs, you know, he's going to get production. Carry on Johnson, probably going to be the main running back in Detroit. Uh, Michelle, 
big contributor. You know, again, just run down the list of guys of, the, of those eight running backs who were drafted in the first three rounds, and they all have I don't want to say stud potential, but they all have start, uh, starting start caliber potential. potential. Yep, yep, absolutely. All right, let's uh, let's try to get to the rest of these here. This is from Master Splinter, dear Raf, Donnie, Mikey, and Leo. I'm currently in a dynasty league that my cousin started, but there's a problem. His friends are boring as heck, and I'm cleaning up the uh, language on this email. The league has almost zero chatter during the season last year, other than the occasional whining and moaning. Even during our draft party, it was a snooze fest. Everyone threw in $5, and the guy bought three pizzas for 12 grown men. I'm no mathematician, but what the heck? So <laughs> I have taken it upon myself to be the league bad guy. I've made disparaging comments on every trade and announcement that's happened this offseason. I think I'll rub some people the wrong way, but I feel the league needs me. What are your thoughts on how to make this league more exciting and entice people to be more vocal during the season? Have you guys ever ran into this problem? Again, this group of <laughs> butt hats has zero personality. <laughs> Thank you, Master Splinter. So he's trying to make the league more exciting? Is that the gist of it? Yeah, he's being the bad guy to stir it up. I kind of like it. Well, um, I, I think that's the way to go, you know, is is try to incite some emotion. <laughs> uh, you know what? Why don't you just invite Heath into your league? <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> you could do that. Um um, it, it, look, I mean, it's hard to say that you're gonna make people feel better about, or, or make them more interesting than they are. That's probably just the personality of the people in the league. You know, you could, you could try and do some side bets. Um, you know, maybe that'll encourage some more chatter and some more encourage, yeah, you know, like, yeah. uh, I bet you my running back is better than yours, my quarterback outproduces yours, or just head to head. Hey, uh, I'm gonna beat you five bucks, ten bucks. You know, <laughs> um, there are plenty of ways, you know, to make it more interesting and more exciting. Uh, maybe Photoshop some pictures of them in compromising situations. Yeah, I mean, if uh, if the language of the email is any indication of what this guy's capable of doing, then uh, <laughs> uh, have have a ball. Yeah, uh, you're right re- about the out, pizzas, though. Reach out to Nando. Nando will have some Nando good ideas will. for you. Three, three pizzas. Do we ever do we ever tell the story? And and I'm uh, I'm I think we're at liberty to say that how we uh, how we bought you Twitter followers. Have we ever told the story? Yeah, uh, I don't know if we told the story, but I hate that story. <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny. You're, uh, we'll save that one for next week when Dave's here. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I did get an <laughs> email. Was great. I did get an email today from. Uh, it's a baseball email. It's from Damien, and Damien mm-hmm. said, "Hey Adam, just wanted to drop a line and let you know you have the worst taste on all things: music, movies, baseball teams, intro music." And then it goes on, and then it says, "Bring Nando back." <laughs> uh, <laughs> we miss Nando. Yes, we do. Uh, all right, email from somebody from you from uh, Minneapolis. Dear Kenny, Scarface, Brian, and Thurgood, that is half-baked. Okay. I feel like no one is concerned with players who ended last year hurt, like Aaron Rodgers, Dalvin Cook, Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, Keenan Allen, Deshaun Watson, Greg Olson, Chris Thompson, etc. They all seem to be drafted where they would be drafted had they not ended the year on IR. Are these injuries being overlooked? All right, so I, I think you just have to follow the the news. I mean, well, first off, Aaron Rodgers came back um, from his injury, so I don't know if you want to put him in there. Uh, yeah, he did go back on, but that was because they were out of it. Right. I, You know, Andrew Luck's not being drafted where he was before the injury. True. Um, that's probably one that, 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 that sticks out. I, I don't want to go through the whole list, but I do want to talk, no, about, I know, but I do it, want to talk about Beckham because I, I think he's the most – I think he's interesting. I mean, that was a serious well, leg injury. You have you have Beckham and, and, and Cook. You know, I mean, two guys yep. that are going in the first round, or or you know, top fifteen, case, yeah, borderline first round. And so it it 
in, in a lot of ways is blind faith. And look, we're, we're talking about this in, in May. You know, we're getting positive reports on Dalvin Cook. You know, the, the, the news out of the Giants is that, you know, Beckham wants to get back on the field and doing more than he's doing right now. But until we actually see it, uh, you know, the people that are doing their drafts right now, uh, and, and we're about to do a draft in June. You know, I, I think that's the first one that we're going to play out. That's not a dynasty league, uh, for our magazine because we have to, but we're going to play that one out. Somebody's going to take Beckham in the first, you know, eight, nine picks and could be left disappointed before we even get to week one. You know, he may not be ready. Dalvin Cook, same thing. You talked about this on the last show that you think Dalvin Cook is what? The second best running back in Dynasty? Um, Quite possibly. I think I would take Zeke over him. But, no, but, yeah. but I understand what you're saying. You know, top five pick. I mean, he's, he's got that type of potential. You wouldn't be saying that if he's not going to play for a good portion of this year. You yep. know, that's just not realistic. So. And, you know, maybe I'm being stupid because I know that ACL injuries, it's like you can come back from them and certainly be ready to go by the following year. But you often hear that a player isn't fully right until the second year after the injury. So that is Yeah, it's probably not the case mind. anymore, but but that's typically been the the overriding theme with with the ACL. Look, we're talking about a guy, you know, uh Dave is probably more bullish on him than the three of us are or, or of the, the the four of us. Uh in Deontay Foreman, you know, and Heath brought this up, we're automatically rushing the guy of the totem pole, uh, at least on the depth chart that is coming off of an Achilles injury. You know, so um I'm going to write something about this soon, you know, just on guys coming back from injuries and and what to expect and you know, look, you you're uh, you let off the show with the news and notes of Julian Edelman still limited in training camp. You made the case uh, last show or the show before that about Edelman being a top 20, 17, if not higher, 17. receiver in PPR. You know, yeah. so, um, you know, I, I, I think it's it, 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 it injuries are case by case. You know, nobody would have thought that Todd Gurley, you know, this was, uh, I, I think, the knock on him as a fantasy running back in his rookie year. Oh, he's coming off of an ACL injury from the previous season. Well, five games in when he didn't play. It looked like you wasted a pick, and then all of a sudden, or three games in, uh, all of a sudden, he was a top five running back from that point forward. Okay, last thing. Keenan Allen played one game in 2016 and was the number three wide receiver in 2017. Jordy Nelson missed, what, all of 2015? Mm-hmm. And 2016, he had 1257 and 14 touchdowns. 12,257 yep. yards, 14 touchdowns on 97 catches. He was, I think, he might have been number one. He was he was top three for sure. Yep. And and Des Bryant started dealing with knee problems two years ago and hasn't been the same receiver since. So there's, yep. you know, two sides to every injury. All right, the rest I think are keeper questions. So here we go. This is from Colin in England. Must keep five. It is a three receiver league. It is standard scoring. It is four points for passing touchdown. He is keeping Devontae Freeman and Kareem Hunt. So it's a three-receiver league. He's keeping two running backs, Freeman and Hunt. Pick the other three. Uh, yeah, Okay, I'm just making sure it's not super flex. Tom Brady, Carson Wentz, Tevin Coleman, Lamar Miller, Devontae Booker, Aaron Jones, Michael Crabtree, and Sterling Shepard. Okay, so I, I think it makes a lot of sense just to keep Brady. Uh, why not keep the the star quarterback that you have there? Why would you keep Wentz though? So it's it's more of a long term thing. I don't know. I mean, not necessarily, but Wentz is good enough to be your starter, and he obviously has more. I mean, that's I guess a general question for you. If you just had a regular keeper league where you keep five every year, are you more likely to keep Brady or Wentz? If it's just a one year keeper, I'm keeping Brady. But you can keep him the next year, I'm assuming, and the year after, and the year after, and the year after. Then it's a different conversation, but I'm gonna probably keep Brady, even in this, even if that's the case of these two, because I know what I'm getting and I have a chance to win now. Not that Wentz doesn't give you that same chance, but there's question marks depending on when you have to determine your keepers. Okay. Uh, on else? his knee, excuse me. 
Uh, I would keep Brady. Um, I would probably keep Coleman just as the handcuff to Freeman. Mm-hmm. And then I would keep Michael Crabtree to at least get what I would consider to be a borderline number two, number three receiver and then load up on receivers. Yeah. And, and remember with Coleman, there's a chance that he's on a different team in 2019 and is in a featured role. So if you have Freeman and Coleman, you know, that could really work out in next, in 2019. From Hunter, dear Samantha, Carrie, Miranda, and Charlotte. I have no idea what that is, Jamie. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, but don't tell anyone. Keep one. <laughs> McKinnon in the 15th. Yes. Yep, okay, that's it. That's, <laughs> is either Ertz in the 4th, Garoppolo in the 15th, or McKinnon in the 15th. It's yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm probably gonna get burned by this, but I'm all in on Jared McKinnon. I, I, I just updated my rankings again, I put him on 11. Woo! Standard. Whoa! Wow, alright. Or non-PPR. Uh, and, Hunter also says, na 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 na. Oh, did we get? Uh, I think this was after our last show. The report out of San Francisco at the OTAs with no. McKinnon. Uh, the beat writers tweeting. Uh, I believe it was. Uh, get Jared McKinnon on your fantasy team. Jimmy Garoppolo is locked in. Oh come on! Now. Throwing him the ball out of the backfield. <laughs> what did Carlos have? At fifty catches last year? Not with Garoppolo though. Actually, he went way down with Garoppolo. It was weird. But that doesn't mean it won't happen. With but that's Kyle Shanahan's offense, though. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be a fun one. All right, from Brandon. 12-team PPR, two-quarterback keeper league. Two-quarterback keeper PPR. Choose two. Todd Gurley. Oh, this is so easy. Todd Gurley, Cam Newton, Devontae Freeman, Julio Jones. Well, two of those things are not like the others. Um, Todd Gurley and Julio Jones. Yeah. And Ethan. I have two potential dynasty trades on the table. Uh, 12-team league. It is a two-receiver league. Th- two running back, two receiver, and three flex. It is .75 PPR and four points per passing touchdown. First trade is this. Give up Chris Godwin. 2019 one through four round rookie picks. So the first four round of the rookie draft in 2019. And a first round pick in 2020. All that for Julio Jones. The second I you, trade. I thought you were going to say Saquon Barkley. Okay. The second trade is Doug Baldwin. Give, uh, getting Doug Baldwin. Giving up a 2019 first round pick and Josh Doxson. I probably would do that one before the Julio trade. I hate the Julio trade. The only thing I don't like about the Julio trade, because really once you get past the first round pick, Set, like, uh, you know, I know at some point we'll start talking about our, our dynasty drafts that we've done, the one I did and the one we did in our office, but really the first round is so crucial. You get a couple good players potentially in the second round. Obviously it's going to be a surprise, but it, it's not really impactful as much for the player that you're getting in return, especially a proven player. Mm-hmm. It's you're just giving up so much capital to get Julio Jones. Yeah. The Baldwin one, there's probably not going to, if, if Baldwin does what he, is capable of doing this year and potentially next year. The receiver you're probably going to get if your team is good, or maybe the running back you're going to get, is not going to be as good a player as Doug Baldwin. He'd be giving up a 2019 first-round pick, and I, I don't think that's a rookie pick. I think that's a draft pick. And Josh Doxson. So if I it's a dynasty league, I would assume it's going to be a rookie draft. But he specified in the other trade rookie picks as opposed to draft picks. That's why I said that. That's why I didn't think it was a rookie pick. But I don't know how many keepers there are. So what is a first-round pick? What, you know, what is a first round pick? Is that like, are there seven keepers? 
It's a little vague. I, I, I would just, if, if he said it's a dynasty trade, I would read it as it's a rookie draft and you're keeping probably 20 plus players. Because okay. if he's talking I, about, I if he's talking right. about Chris Godwin right. and Josh Doxon on his roster, that's a deep, deep roster. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. All right, thanks, Jamie. Good stuff, man. Have a great uh, Memorial Day weekend. Thank you, my friend. You too. Yeah, I will. And to you as well out there. We will be back on Tuesday with another edition of the Fantasy Football Today podcast. For Jamie Eisenberg, I'm Adam Azer. Talk to you Tuesday. Bye.